You're listening to Latour's favorite radio station, 66.6, The Lore. You're listening to Latour Radio. I'm your host, Devin Hayes, and this is Lore Dump. Uh, this episode, we have a special guest, um, Chris Willett. He is the voice and mind behind Ember Waves and Aiden Fleck O'Connor. And we're going to do a little bit of a dive into what made those characters exist. Uh, so you go ahead, introduce yourself. How are the kids? How's the wife? <laughs> Uh, things are going quite well, actually. Um, life is uh, interesting, to say the least. Uh, my, for those who don't know or listen to the podcast and don't know the other aspect of me, I'm uh, Christopher James Willent. Uh, outside of a player within the Fables of Latour, um, I am also a thespian of life, as it were. I've acted in several short films along with Quentin Foote and crew. Uh, have a multitudinous amount of hobbies uh, and a pretty fun day job from time to time. So, all right, let's get into it. What's something you didn't get to explore and are glad that you didn't have to when it comes yep. to uh, when it comes to Ember Waves? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, within regards to Ember, uh, something we didn't get to explore, and I'm a bit glad about it, um, is the full revelation and confrontation of Ember's parents. Um, while he did kind of have a little bit of one with his dad, the initial start, uh, given the amnesiatic, you know, strickenness of him, um, we never got into truly kind of the full arc of his backstory, um, what drove him with in regards to, you know, why his eye was messed up, why his hand was messed up. Um, while he didn't mention, you know, the, the trials of the twilight, he didn't, uh, we didn't go into it. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I was actually a little selfishly as a player, um, glad we didn't go into it. Um, I try as best when I'm playing a character to, react as they would and it was it would truthfully um for anyone who uh you know has undergone something not as fun in the past and everyone has their own little baggage um would have been a little bit emotionally difficult uh to go through uh so mm-hmm. within regards to things we didn't explore uh, there was a, t- a little bit of a tad bit of relief as a player although there was the sadness of, of him passing but it was kind of like all right well silver lining didn't have to go down yeah path, so makes sense yeah. uh what was your what was your process for developing ember though mm. so uh as you can kind of tell uh i'm a bit of a lore dump myself when it comes to uh creating characters creating worlds i i've dm'd multiple homebrew worlds as well uh, you can ask everyone about the nightmare that was calthon um, so I approach characters in different ways, truthfully. I'm sure everyone has their own particulars. Some people, you know, start with a voice. Some people start with, hey, I'm just going to do my, um, you know, standard array. And some people are like, well, I'm sick and tired of playing a wizard, so I'm going to do something, you know, dumb like a barbarian or whatever. For me, it's uh, it kind of depends on life, 
the most recent characters that I've played and sort of that kind of draws me to where I'm going to go next. So with all of this, the previous character that I had played in a different campaign um, was this very super charismatic, uh, he was a blood hunter, but just flirtatious with everything um, and completely seductive, inappropriate jokes all the time. So in taking that, um, Quentin then introduced, hey, there's going to be new races to play. There's the Keys, there's the Kintar, there's the Phoenix Folk, um, and, you know, tweaks on some of the existing ones. Uh, and so the fact that there was new races to play, some were completely like at odds with each other from a racial aspect. Uh, I was kind of drawn with that. Um, and initially, actually, it was it was Caden, Caden Chad, uh, who pitched the idea of opposing races, quote unquote, but traveling together. Uh, and I love the natural growth and strife that can come with that from a story. It's a natural built in like you will butt heads at some point. You will you will naturally grow if you do truly care about each other. Um, we didn't want it to just be, you know, quote unquote, two bros butting heads. He said he wanted to be a larger Kintar. Uh, so it made sense to go, okay, I'm going to be, you know, this is my process. Okay, so I'll be a smaller key stealth because then it's not this constant butting heads, but more so, all right, he might say something that goes in the wrong vein. Okay, now I have to backtrack kind of thing. And then knowing that, I went, okay, well, if he's backtracking a lot, he's not super confident in himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's kind of where the youth and the naivete came from of, you know, while I was building this character. Um, and then from that, okay, well, he's a keist, he's traveling. So he's tied to the forest, but I don't want him directly tied to the forest of like this whole, you know, you have to go patronage back to Mecca, quote unquote, or, or you know, I didn't want to have to go back to the forest if we didn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it offered that room with Caden playing a Kintar of if I wasn't directly in the forest, well, I had a different worldview. So, well, maybe he's not that bad. Then I took that. This led me down a path of why would he be willing to not discriminate given the racial his history? And then this led into the, like I said, the smaller had been abused as a kid through the trials of the twilight, neglectful parents, um, never wanting others to feel the way that he had. Mm -hmm. So that's how I, I approach that. He was a druid because of those aspects, but I enjoy, enjoyed playing him more as a rogue because he had those handicaps, those physical handicaps associated to him. And I went, well, you know, mentally from an intelligent perspective, like if you could wild shape into a spider or a rat, like, and you can't do physical labor, like that's information's good and it pays well. So, yeah. um, you know, someone not notable, easy to hide. Um, he tried to talk, he was learning to talk, but again, he was young, naive. He was able to put his foot in his mouth a couple times. Um, and the rest started to develop as the character grew with the others, getting introduced into these different religions where Ember kind of just prayed to the stars and something was answering him and he didn't know if it was good or bad. Whereas some people had these, these direct connections to Lokor and, uh, you know, to the Rayland. Yeah, the Brayland and, and all this. And it was, he was interested in it because he's like, well, I'm, I don't know where my stuff is coming from. And so I liked that he was flushed out enough that I could play around with this personality, but not enough that I was kind of pigeon, pigeonholing myself. 
Um, while I do, and any any of uh, my prior DMs can attest to this, even if it's one shots, uh, I have a tendency to write a lot in terms of backstory of this is the, who this person is. Um, but I've realized as this is happening, I try and write enough so that things have happened, but it leaves it vague as to where the direction is going. So that mm -hmm. way, when those character moments do occur, um, the character themselves can kind of surprise you in the moment of, oh, this is the choice that I'm making right now because this is how I would be feeling. And sometimes mm -hmm. you catch yourself off guard with that. So that's kind of how I approach different characters. So in this instance, it was just because the previous one was so flirtatious and playful. Uh, and it was something new, something completely new. And I, I loved, loved diving headfirst into the craziness of that. So, Well, I think it says a lot that even though he didn't speak enough, much, when he found the egg for the, the forest dragon, the, the crew kind of like, okay, well, he knows, he knows what he's talking about. If this is important, this is important. Yeah. Sometimes action's not words, right? Exactly. I think Ember had a bigger impact than he might have thought. <laughs> Thanks to Willow, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, well, and in that as well, like his choice is something that like is going to affect everyone in the guild for as long as Willow's around. So, whoops, guys. He, he, he <laughs> intended to be there. How about that? <laughs> True, he did. Um, what's something that you wish you did get to explore? Of, of um for ember uh his ties to his astral family to that side because mm -hmm. he knew his mom and dad his physical mom and dad um but when we went down and i love that he was a i, th I think it was a circle of the twilight or circle of the circle of the oh circle of the astral self no no um nope, that's it, that's the wrong that's, one that's a monk, that's a monk yeah. baby uh, um I, I could easily look it up, but basically like circle of stars or circle of, it wasn't directly oh, tied circle to nature. Of the stars, I think. There we go. Um, I love that idea that he sort of like flipped that in and introduced these, like we went from high fantasy, but very medieval into, oh, there are other things in this universe that exist on whatever, you know, whether it be the astral sea or whatever you want to call it. Um, that are these high tech, high, more telepathic versus magic beings. Um, it would have been a fun arc because uh, I'm sure it would have plenty of ties into the older civilizations that exist. Um, oh, yeah. It could have led to a lot of different interesting routes in season two, given that the war is going on and all, oh, well, you know, and who's to say that we don't go that path anyways, but true. Um, yeah, I, I think that would have been an interesting flesh out from that side of family aspect. That would have been pretty cool to get to like, I think that like if Ember was still around, he there would have been a little bit more of a direct maybe involvement on their side, like uh, when yeah. it came to the war. Whereas now we might have like a indirect type thing. Um Continuing off of that, uh, where did you see Ember going at? So where you got to, where did you think he was going to go from there, like developmentally? Um, developmentally, 
I think long term, uh, it would have been, you know, if we're talking like epilogue, if he had lived and through yeah. the war and yada, yada, yada. I mean, because he's supposed to live for quite some time with, you know, keys their elves, uh, in a sense, um, to develop that. Okay. He's, he's understanding this wisdom, but being able to, you know, he's, he's getting more and more wise, but, but truly having that life experience, uh, to mature him, but also, uh, in delving further on down of, Oh, what would he have done or this, that, and the other, um, I think eventually it would have been, uh, it would have been brokering sort of treaties with various agencies and whether that be the Kintar themselves and Claw Canyon or, um, you know, the, the Keist, uh, or the Dwarves of Silver Rock or whatever, whatever the case may be, he would have started to become a diplomat just because he already had that mindset of, I'm not going to fault you based on what you're presenting to me right off the hop. I'm going to get to know you as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that as an advantage as he grew up would have led him into, I won't necessarily say like a political figure, but a diplomatic one at the very least, um, one who would have been the one to try and broker peace deals and, um, you know, an armistice, a, a, a demilitarized zone across the section of, uh, of Red Willow. Um, and then eventually this, through the subsequent fallout, like brokering the deals so that everyone's happy and, and we're not going to go back to war kind of crap. Um, mm. I, th I think long term, that's what it would have been, but that's, I don't know. That that does feel like what he would do as as like a, at that time as a listener, he did feel like his goal wasn't like like was to more like uh, keep, I guess, to be like a advocate of peace not so much like a like a martyr or anything but like no uh a, an avenue people could take to find peace type of thing yeah i i i fully appreciate that and it's interesting to hear uh because again you were you were a listener before you were a player so mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear your thoughts on who he was as well because uh again a lot of the time yeah, short of people sending things into us or or whatnot, you're kind of in a fishbowl with your other friends uh, yes. playing this game kind of thing. So it's it's interesting to hear uh, feedback on that. Thank you for that. Uh, this question I had prepared, you already answered. I was going to ask if you had any interest in pursuing more knowledge on your origin with the keepers. That kind of like yeah absolutely. area which you definitely did and that's totally yeah. fair um so instead what do you miss most about playing ember uh truthfully um i missed that he was playful kind of like aiden but he was a lot more like he had a lot more naivete i uh, someone like a childlike nature or a younger uh, inexperienced nature and that kind of added to I would say sometimes a very wholesome approach 
to certain mm-hmm. things that the group ended up handling, uh, and whether it be due to sheer ignorance or uh, chosen ignorance out of, okay, well, this is this feels right in this moment and I'm not going to address this kind of thing. Um, I love, you know, we all love playing serious characters of, you know, I'm, I'm the dirt brooding rogue or I'm the super hard barbarian. But I think for him, there was a lot more innocent whimsy that came with him, but also a very true altruistic nature. Um, certain things and recognizing certain situations, he will help where it was necessary the 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 aspects of oh these people's food source just got hammered uh because of because of a group that got drawn down here due to god knows what um i'll take you know i have the ability i'll take the evening to um ritual cast this this spell that was a plant growth for over miles to ensure that you know they're gonna have a bountiful harvest next year kind of thing Mm -hmm. um he didn't know if it was going to succeed. He wasn't wise enough to know that, but he wanted to try. And I think that wholesome nature was something that I absolutely miss, um, you know, with him playing him. So I would uh, also say that even in like the competition aspect, when he got the new arm, he, he, and to me as a listener, it felt like he was very uncomfortable with the idea of using, what seemed like a different, like a almost like a one up on the right on everybody else with the new arm. He seemed very Absolutely. like reserved on that, and I think that you can be like altruistic in all kinds of ways, and you could value like the rules of things, but also valuing like sportsmanship and making sure you're being fair, not just like holding up what's good type of thing is also impactful for like people around you. Yeah, truly. And it's funny that you bring up that moment. Um, as a player, I had forgotten. I had forgotten that, that Q had given me this hand. And one of those aspects as well is, especially with someone who for a majority of their adult life had been, missing their hand uh Mm -hmm. it's not you know it is not something that it would immediately occur to you of oh i now have this i'm going to use it and i'm going to use it to my advantage that truly was a moment that was like oh oh wait like oh oh right yeah no this just happened not that long ago i don't i don't know about this kind of thing um so i i appreciate you raising that um, and then my last question specifically about Ember is how far or close was Ember away from what you hope for him to be? Oof. Uh, oof. That is interesting. I think that we all like when we make a character, we all set out a goal, like an end goal for say you're playing this dark brooding mm. everybody's not Very good curious. enough for me to yeah, yeah vengeful person but like also in the back of your head you're like i hope he finds a reason to be good and yeah. caring and so i'm curious to see like how close that underlying thought process of where you th- were hoping he could go was to where mm. he didn't how where he could go i mean 
truly, I think there was growth. Absolutely. There were aspects within regards to, um, his, his relationship with corpse, uh, his ability to not aggressively, but playfully stand up for himself a little bit. Um, overall, I kind of have no, no idea of how close he was. Part of that is, um, when I build characters in general, when I, when I go into these deep dives for backstories and I never know exactly how I fully envision them. And part of that is I recognized earlier on, I can play a character as spot on as I want to be, but I can also accidentally shoehorn myself into decisions and into paths where is that really character development or is that me self-creating sort of a railroading system for whatever my story is? Um, um, and so within regards to that, like if you do that and, and that's, if that's how you play, absolutely. I fully understand. Some people want that. Okay. I'm going to start vengeful. I want to find a way to turn them good. Um, but if I know that's my end goal, I don't allow those pure moments of spontaneity or growth and discovery with with yourself and the character as well as with how they're actually reacting to the world. Um, an example of this would be uh, I, you know, I, I from a character perspective, I, I thought I, I was playing him how he should be played. Uh, I mean, we all think that anyways, but the confrontation with his dad, um, I was surprised that he, I was surprised that he was as, I don't want to say merciful because that's not the right, but not, not as, as physical or as angry, but in thinking about it, like it makes sense. He's not an aggressive person in that regard. <laughs> uh, he tried to have his very sad little wrestling match. Um, but if I shoehorn myself into the, okay, he's only going to be peace, then I kind of start to remove his ability to be angry with this person. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of remove that growth in that aspect, or at least I, I shoehorn him out, out of that. And so, you know, I, I do try and set out to have like a, okay, this is where I think he would have gone, gone, but I never have that at the start. When I build a character, um, typically what I have is this is the backstory. And then depending on what happens in the campaign can end up with, okay, he turned evil. Okay. He turned good. And I would rather the character's choices guide that in the moment and then keep playing with it and keep going along. Uh, so not to dance around the question, um, as, as much as, as, as close as I thought that he was going to be. Yeah. I think for, session to session in the moments i think he got exactly where he needed to we'll probably come back for like a overall for both characters type of thing but yeah uh we're gonna switch over to aiden what's something without giving too much away that mm -hmm. you have in your backstory that you're hoping gets touched on truly um a lot with aiden that i gave quentin uh has kind of been covered Really? Um, yeah. And not not necessarily in a it's a an audience story satisfaction, but a Chris story satisfaction. Um 
I gave Quentin. So what did you know? When Ember passed, I ended up having to go away for a little bit physically because、uh, I was teaching,、um, teaching on a course somewhere, and、uh, I had to think about this. And and so Aiden's actually drive and desire when I was coming into this was. Okay, how can I introduce a character into this now established group of people? And I'm sure you had the same frustrations、mm. um, as Talon coming in. And I went, okay, well, I know they're going to end up in this city. All right.、Uh, so I did write a backstory:、um, the sister and the father, absolutely. A little bit of the father's backstory of, of what happened to him,、um, Sersha, and what happened to him. And so I. I Wanted to to play a bard, but I didn't want one that was purely money driven,、uh, but、mm-hmm. that his goal was to find his sister.、Um, I、oh, mean, that's、dude. been that's been achieved.、Uh, he yeah, he discovery of the sister, the dad.、Uh, most of what was driving Aiden on the road、uh, is somewhat cleared up from his perspective.、Um, he does still owe some debts, absolutely. Uh, and there is the aspect of Serenstrom、uh, in his background with what he does does owe, but most of his ties, like Doors of Silver Rock, Fires of Fell, they're tied up in war. Yeah, they're tied up in war, and I mean, that's will start to be forgotten with the toll of bodies.、Um, True. Truthfully, moving forward, I think. You know, if Aiden comes into something, it's going to be to extricate his mother to the east. Um, and then he's going to set up. He's going to set up, and he's he's going to probably make the guild, either the guild or somewhere in the east. More than likely, the guild,、um, his permanent fixture, um, and just ensure neutrality, not peace, but neutrality. For individuals within that region,、um, okay. I think the the symbol of him as the the herald of the Red Willow Guild, <laughs> self self acclaimed,、uh, but him as the as the quote unquote herald and、um, Nordum as the leader would be enough to sort of mitigate that for people coming in to be like, wait, what the fuck? Pardon my language. Yeah, that's a good point. Like.、So, I think that、uh, with Red Willow's like reputation to be like currently, they probably have a reputation to be helping the Rogarian side. However,、mm. that's literally so far because it was the most keep Red Willow safe、mm. choice, and I think that、uh, as you're saying, like having. You're having aid and spreading the word of like we're getting we can get along here. This is a safe place for people.、Mm-hmm. I think is a is pretty one pretty cool and two a hopeful way to like frankly if anything happens to introduce other characters like because you、yeah. you know I can go to this place and this place is neutral. I can be safe there or I can help them keep it safe. Absolutely. Um. I guess、uh, continuing on,、uh, where, were you expecting to run into Aiden's dad as quickly as we did?、Uh, no, honestly, was not expecting to run into Da.、Um, it does make sense that he would have weaselled himself into some small station of power,、uh, given his fall from from grace with regards to his guard duties and whatnot down in、uh, the Rogarian、uh, consulate. But 
um it was confusing it was <laughs> it was completely you know oh this is happening uh but also based based on the story and based on the world that was built fully understanding yeah. um in saying all this uh you know oh he ran in he ran to dada and 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 this is what he was doing i mean aiden's perspective at that point was like okay this sucks you also turned your back on your people but truly given everything that has happened with me on the road who am i to judge i mean i made shit deals with three different organizations just to try and find the whereabouts of of my sister and i owe a lot of money so in saying that he's never turned his back on his people more sorry his his people not his kind quote unquote yeah so if, if someone's made his way into his quote unquote people um He's never turned his back on them. So there was, it was an interesting uh, dynamic that popped up and not one that I was expecting at all. We'll keep going off that. When uh, Shersha decided not to kill him and further to stop Talon from killing him, mm-hmm. how did you as a, as the player feel? Like what, what went through your mind? I kind of expected... I I didn't expect him to die, so I wasn't necessarily surprised by that. Um, Sersha had gone off on her own to begin with, and while the betrayal is the betrayal, it's not like he directly betrayed us kind of Mm -hmm. thing. She had set off, got caught up in some crap. I left after her to, like, not hunt her down, but but find her. Find her, yeah. So, yeah. I think they were pissed that what are you doing here? Like mom's back at home. Like what, what kind of bullshit are you running kind of thing? Um, but the, the dying aspect, yeah, I mean, why shed blood when you don't necessarily need to, um, he can't be left to wander and create more havoc. Don't get me wrong. But I, as a player, I was, I was okay. Yeah. This, this is kind of, fitting that you know he's he's forced to turn himself in a little bit and i mean truthfully hopefully there's a lesson learned and something that eventually he can come out through on the other side but who knows yeah so what was the like choice behind running a bar this time because right. you said um, you said with uh, Ember that you were trying to kind of like avoid the that kind of area, like the happy, um, pers- just charismatic natured person, yeah. and then you hopped right into the Completely next guy. Flipped it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So why Bard? And so, truthfully, they're crazy fun to play. Um, I love playing the support role, especially one where you don't necessarily take the front seat on the story super often. Mm -hmm. I like when the DM will start to sprinkle things in, uh, and then over time it unravels as to like, oh yeah, this is this person, um, and, and kind of what's a little more complicated with them, which is fun. Um, it was difficult. Uh, a bard as well. I mean, Ember had been taken from everyone. And 
I wanted to, I didn't want to necessarily take a paladin or take a fighter or take, you know what I mean? Like now it becomes this weird, okay, you're going in. Is there a natural, like, oh, I'm going to out cleric the cleric. Like, I don't want to do that. I right. I want to want to come in and have someone who's their own thing that does not take away from someone else. Um, and you know, in a city, kind of a city heavy campaign, minus the mountains and some of the sailing. Um, it also based on, on what the group was at that point, it also felt kind of led to some funny, like, well, this one is a talker moments. That's where, fair. It did. Where we, we didn't really have a designated <laughs> talker, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy magic users in general. Um, but I had not really played more of a, a diplomatic or political type. Uh, and it felt good, again, a good fit without stepping on anyone's toes. That's so. I would say so. I think he fit in pretty good, con considering the, the, uh, like the difference between how he does things and how the group was doing things. I think it still slotted in pretty well. It gave yeah. them a little bit of a... I, I'm just going to say a little bit of spice. We'll, like, yeah, a little bit. And, you know, it's it's fun doing the... You know the the sleight of hand checks to to hide the dust of mm -hmm. deliciousness and stuff. And oh, what what's he doing? What's he doing? It's like sometimes he's just being a dick. Like there's no just fucking he's, around. He's, he's fucking around. Truly, he's fucking around because these are new people, and he's just fine testing the water, finding out what's going on. See so. what they'll like, like what's funny to them, and what's a line he shouldn't have crossed. And sometimes yeah. you learn the hard he's, way. He's a storyteller. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Why go Irish? Um, well, uh, so I wanted something very different from Ember. Um, Ember itself was, he was, he started like French and they shifted to German and then he was back to French. It was weird. Um, Irish, uh, truthfully, it seemed fun. Uh, it seemed playful and it seemed to fit. And like, why not? Um, I'm not the greatest at accents at times, but it did help sort of set Chris apart from Aiden Fleck yeah. O'Connor. Um, and again, it was different enough from Ember from both a vocally and a personality wise. Um, it also seems to be an easily flirtatious accent, um, which was, it was delightful. They do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right, me lovelies. Yeah. <laughs> it's also not uh, too difficult to sing in as well. I've actually, um, while well, I did do one, uh, quote unquote song, introductory song, uh, Humors of Whiskey. Uh, I actually uh, recorded uh, one or two as well that were saved in the wings in case we ended up in specific situations. And I could say, oh, um, Aiden's going to go and play this this particular song. Sort of oh, thing. that's that's awesome. That's cool. I hope we get there then. I want to hear these things. <laughs> but um, Similar to what I asked about Ember, how far or close is Aiden from the character you introduced? Like, do you think they're the same guy or do you think he's definitely changed? Uh, I think he's definitely, well, I mean, I know he's definitely changed. Um, while he was uh, very playful and, I mean, he's still playful, but he ended up being a lot more brave than I thought he was going to be, especially as a support bard. Um, the amount of times that he was in the forefront of a fight when truthfully he had no business being there 
Um, Literally following Talon into the dark. Yeah, yeah. Or like, hey, this person's getting away. Hold on. I will put you next to them. You do realize yeah. that's next to a lot of swords, right? Didn't consider that, but here we are. <laughs> like, you got this, right? Bye. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting, you know, especially for a role that is, you know, unless you're playing like a, what is it, College of Swords or something like that, like, he's typically a hangback and assist your friends. Uh, I was surprised mm -hmm. the amount of times that he was like, oh, I'm being swung at, melee style. Excellent. <laughs> so like, Love that for me. Yeah. I also found as he progressed as well, um, he recognized more often when he should shut his mouth versus uh, offer his opinion or make a comment or something like that. As the group progressed and grew, he recognized mm -hmm. like, oh, no, this is this is a serious thing for this person. Like, maybe this is the time to be time. sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's he was it was interesting to see that growth. Yeah. Uh, like I said, as a I get to like see these characters from like a without the with the editing and without the editing because I still listen. Mm -hmm. But before being like a part and into the session, you would the the characters don't feel the same, right? Like mm. when you're in the D and D group, the characters feel like they're your friends, like they're people. When you're in your character that you care about, and like when you're a fan of this thing of whatever it is, a TV show, movie, yeah, you care about those characters, but it's not the same as like when you're, frankly, when you're playing a video game and your whole character is based off like I got to protect this person, and then they die, and you're like, that was 170 hours of defending this yeah. person, and I <laughs> I lost them, so. It's interesting to feel the difference because when I wasn't, when I was just listening to the episodes of him in Three Gates, I was like, wow, this guy's kind of annoying. And yeah, then 100%. getting to be Talon and like feel him out and his genuine like supportive nature, I would say, like it was definitely a more supportive nature than I want to fuck with people nature. And except for yeah. with uh Valorous, I will say that was just oh. purely fuck that guy who I won't mess with he, the shit. He he absolutely loved pressing buttons, but I think as well by the time that Talon was introduced, he, the group had been through enough with him present that he went, yeah. Oh, oh wait a second, no. They like they have their own their hiccups and stuff, but these are good people. And it was no longer like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm along for the ride. I'm going to fuck around. But it, it truly was like, you know, the aspects when he had to cliff dive to get Nordum and stuff like that. It was very much like, no, no, no. Whatever my motivations are, whether it's because I enjoy your company too much or you're too entertaining to push your buttons or, you know, whatever his own personal motivation for each individual. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, especially like you said at the start, he was very annoying because they would be someone like that initially would be a oh he grows on you kind of person yeah and then he does <laughs> yeah but is but it I, but sometimes is it you growing on him or is it him growing on you like sometimes for for Aiden definitely both definitely both you said the supportive nature and this that and the other he was very playful absolutely he, he would poke fun and, and this that and the other but he would learn from it 
he -hmm. would learn from it constantly is like, oh, okay, that struck a nerve, not going to really do that one again. Oh, this person, you know, they mentioned this name, okay, given that I'm a purveyor in information and names, because I'm a bard, like, is what is it? What is this person to this person kind of thing? All right, let's suss out that relationship kind of. Um, And so, you know, when you meet him, annoying as crap, but then he remembers your birthday. And you're like, yeah, all right. All right. And he remembers uh, you like chocolate cake. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's kind of kind of the route I was trying to go for with that. So I, I think you did a good job. Uh, Thank just you. even as being a talent, like at first, you're like, I I, like guy. joke, <laughs> making fun, like joking. Oh, you and your my sister's in love with you type of thing. Yeah. You're handsome, blah, blah, blah. But then also when talent's like doing shit that he's good at you were like okay yeah yep i'm gonna trust that yeah <laughs> wait you can do what yeah we good <laughs> yeah and so i think that like like i said i think he had a very genuinely supportive nature that i would be shocked if i'm the only one who thinks it's shown through so is it just you shersha ma and da or is there some surprises that we might run into uh, there are no other surprises that I know of um, oh, in terms okay. of family. It's Manda, Sersha, and Aiden. Um, no long-lost brothers that I know of or sisters <laughs> or, or anything in, in between. But um, the most, like I said, in terms of uh, what's left for Aiden is stuff that's going to be backburner during war anyways. That makes sense. Um well, since you're the first person that I got to interview that's character and not DM. Uh, of course. What do you think the first day back in Red Willow looks like for Aiden? Because you're teleporting from mo- in. From the moment of uh, teleporting in, a lot of preparation. A lot of prep, uh, a lot of preparation, a lot of organization. I think Aiden will be, um, whether we see it or not, um, probably given the the seriousness of what just occurred and the fight they had gone through and being on death's door um, and everything, uh, he would work hand in hand with Nordum. What do you need? Uh, and start pinging whatever you'd start to create contacts, ping contacts, probably work a little bit more seriously with Valorous, um, as much as that pains me to say, uh, to begin <laughs> to set Red Willow up for success, to begin to listen. Rogar said this was going to be a demilitarized zone, as you know, and that they're not going to come further north so all right let's prep the citizens let's make sure things are going well so he's he's going to be the the gopher the liaise the the whatever to make sure the logistics of everything starts to get going while he may not be the person who knows how to do it he will find you the person who knows how to do it um and once all of this stuff is getting established ensuring especially from the civilians aspect and and just the regular citizens of red willow um, ensuring that morale is kept up, ensuring that the, the, the 
the morale of the Red Willow people uh, is kept up. Um, We're I having he, nightly A&N concerts. Got it. I, I, I think there... Well, I also think that there's like the slow subversion of the mayor. Yes, that guy's gotta go. <laughs> for, for the benefit of Red Willow of just, hey, like... Nah, not not saying, you know, oh, let's get rid of him outright, but just... He has to make changes. Be, like being, being so good at your job of finding people and contacting that you, in essence, nullify and make this oh, piece yes. obsolete. Yeah. Of just like, you know, oh, uh, hey, what, what's going on? It's like, oh, hey, yeah, we're delivering this. This is getting built. Oh, I didn't approve that. Well, these are the battle plans for the people coming from the north. What were your decisions? Oh, you didn't have any. Okay, sit down and, and we'll talk to you when we need to talk to you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think having that forefront aspect would help drive the morale of the local Red Willow uh, area up. And then also giving them, I mean, what is it? Maslow's theory of actualization or pyramid of actualization. Yeah. Like, the, so yeah he yeah. needs food, all that good stuff. Like Your make sure they're covered. Needs. Yeah. Make sure the basic needs are covered and security and safety, especially for, you know, the youngins and, and the people that yeah. can't. Gotta do your best to make sure that the, the people of Red Willow are yeah. feeling protected. And I think that that's yeah. probably the going to be Red Willow, the guild's goal for what I, what I would assume would be the foreseeable future. Well, things are like are still frankly up in the air and falling oh, apart. Yeah. Like we don't even think... know how Red Willow looks right now. Like, no, tr well, truthfully. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then, uh, what's the biggest difference in inspiration between the two characters you've played so far? So, like, as an example, when I made Talon, I was like, uh, who does, like, weird... Tr Have you seen the show Beastmaster? I think so. It's got the dude from Andromeda. Oh, the, the dude, um... With, the, like, the little ferrets. Uh, no, I'm thinking the ultimate tracker, but <laughs> okay, that guy also, but I was yeah. like, but that's kind of like the idea I went with talent. I was like, he's going to be really good at this one thing so that I'm yeah. not really stepping on any toes or anything, but yeah. also he's kind of expendable. He, oh, okay. he's got, he's got a specific role and sure. It won't be filled as easily because he was very good at it, but like, he wasn't like the best in his guild or anything like that. Like he was good enough that yeah. they were proud of him, but good enough to be a teacher and yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess like, yeah, like for, for Ember and Aiden, very different people, like very uh, different people. Where'd you, where'd they come from inspirational wise? Like we went over the process, but there's still like that inspiration aspect we didn't talk about. If you're, if you're truly boiling it down to like the nature of the character, um, Ember was born out of trying to do good, having come from pain. Um, and Aiden was a lot more selfish. Mm -hmm. uh, while, okay. you know, he had his debts, he had this, that, and the other, but it was all specifically to find his sister. 
kind of thing. It wasn't, I want others. It wasn't that true altruism. It was, I'll support you, but I'll support you because I noticed that you're good at these things and I might be able to benefit from that at some time Okay. or, or whatever the case may be. Whereas I believe Ember as a truly as, as the inspiration internally was good out of pain. The, the idea of, okay, this person went through this, these series of events and, and they were horrific. He would push to make sure that no one would ever have to go through that again kind of thing. Um, and Ember was also, I find, with the way that his personality developed, uh, he was born out of possibility, whereas Aiden was born out of survival. Okay. And also shoehorning a character in after a death. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah. So in terms of the creation makeup, the Ember mm-hmm. was going to, you know, hey, I'll play a support role at the start, um, but also something that could... I like playing characters against the grain or classes or races against the grain kind of thing. So mm-hmm. in this case, a druid that acted more roguelike. Uh, you know, very good on investigation. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, trying to be charismatic when you have an eight in your charisma, um, <laughs> you know, but not, and, but not having the, the enough insight. That was actually something that me and Quentin talked about um, of the like disadvantage on insight to yourself in social situations, because you're not there yet kind of thing. Um, oh, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, in, in bringing that forward, whereas Aiden was, hey, okay, I still want to maintain a support role because I don't want to come in after a character death and be like, what's up? Here's my story. Y'all suck. <laughs> Red Willow's mine now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted I wanted for it to be more of a soft entry. Uh, and I wanted him to be a little abrupt. And I'm like, okay, so something that can get on your nerves a little bit. All right, we got Bard. All right, there we go. Um, so <laughs> very, very different starting points for the inspiration. One was, here's the world ahead of you. Here's what you can do with it. And then the second one was, okay, this is the group. This is the loss they're going through. What can I bring in that's not going to feel like we're just trying to replace him, but also will okay, help achieve yeah. some similar goals to what he provided? That's fair. Uh, yeah, I actually, so, uh, personally with like my own, what's coming in for season two and whatnot, I had like several ideas and then was like, well, that feels like I'm stepping on toes there. And that kind of feels like that's, that's their thing. And so you kind of like, you're trying to figure out what's playable to be yours, but also everyone's type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's, a, it's for any any players out there. We we get it. It's a difficult tightrope to balance when it's a collaborative story and you're you're trying to do your best because you want to feel like you have your own piece as well. But you, you also, also you want to feel like you're you're making an impact too. Like you want to feel yeah. impactful. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, got anything else? Got any questions for me? Anything you'd like to ask? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't send them to you. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, uh, 
It's all good. I like to make sure that like you had a moment to prepare because it's mostly about you. <laughs> yes, much that is very much appreciated, and you did uh, you did an excellent job with those questions. Thank you for the preparation on that. So, no problem. Um, so, for you, uh, what was what was your biggest worry uh, coming in as a player into an established group? Um, because I, again, not exactly the same, uh, but having to do that with the new character, having the death of one, um, where, what were your worries associated to them? And then what were some things that when you think about it, you're like, oh, I was worried about that. And truly I, I didn't really have to be like, uh, so with, so I did a one shot first, which was really easy because the one shot to me is like they don't like it. They just won't put it on. They don't like my care, like the way I'm part of it. You can just delete it. It's whatever. Like they all had they had the experience, but like it's not going out to the Internet. Whereas if it was good and they like the character, it'll go on the Internet and they'll invite you back. Maybe if you're lucky and I was invited back. I was lucky enough to be invited back. And with so what I was really worried about Talon when I was making him is making someone interesting that you like the rest of the party would be like, okay, well, this guy's got stuff going on. Like we can ask him some questions. He's going to be useful for us, but also, like I said, expendable. Like I wanted, I wasn't under the impression that I he would be there until the finale, and I was not under the impression that I would be returning next season. So I wanted it to make sh- it to be a character that was designed to go away. And gotcha. I was really worried about uh, him either being overbearing, so like frankly, with a passive perception of too much it's hard to like (laughs) like passive insight wise like he he's hard to lie to as well like he he breaks a lot of the like natural tropes of other characters that are like oh i'm just gonna lie to this new guy and do whatever he won't know but he will know and he'll figure it out without even trying and so i i I designed i didn't take any sort of like combat feats, anything that would make him too useful in combat, I didn't do because mm. I wanted it to still be everyone else's story. And and I took all the like outside of combat, how to make him useful, even though he's doing fuck all in combat. Yeah. And so that's why I went observant. I went alert. So I can't be surprised, which means you guys won't be surprised because I'll wake you up. Uh, skill expert, all that stuff, so that I ha- could offer the most to the group, but only if asked to do so. And mm. my so biggest worry was how do I make a character I care about because this is going on the internet mm-hmm. and also isn't taking anything from anyone else and is like. Gotcha able to leave and i'm not going to be butthurt about it yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one it is and i didn't need to be like i could have made a very like 
indentured character uh and i think that like the group would have just been like yeah this guy is super useful we want him around he's kind of eccentric but whatever yeah fair enough um are what are you most excited for in doing some of the mini series that we have upcoming so no pressure i think everyone noticed uh talon does not have a voice it's like <laughs> very slightly like a, maybe a sl- either turned up or toned down version of my own and it's gruff you let's well, it's gruff yeah, you it's gruff me. <laughs> and i'm looking forward Devin. Got it. <laughs> to trying some voices on a shorter term and Ooh, getting more okay. comfortable with that and seeing what that means for when we come back for season two Mm-hmm. I'm trying to build like the confidence to have an actual voice for the season two, so we'll see. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. takes takes time. takes takes literally just doing it, and know that you will invariably mess it up, and that's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question. For players out there who are listening, um, people in general, uh, what would be some, give me your top two tips of advice for uh, overcoming your trepidations? Oh, um, shit. This one, the first is a little corny, but everyone's there to have fun like all your these people all want to have fun they want to love the story they want to impact the story they want you to love and impact the story just take a breath before your first session tell yourself if i make one cool decision that i liked that's all that matters i got one in there and then the next time, maybe it's two. And you'll get there. It's You'll start making stupid decisions because you think it's funny and just what your character would do. And that's fine. You just gotta let yourself be loose in those moments. And then I guess the second would be... Honestly, if you join a group that makes you feel uncomfortable... It's not the group for you. Don't make, don't, that's not on you. That's not on them. It's just, it's not meant to be. Find yourself a group that makes you feel comfortable and safe to play and be silly. Very wise words. And if you're lucky like me, you'll have six of them and then you get to play D and D all the time. (laughs) Love it. Ah, that's it from my side of house, my dude. All right. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining me on Lore Dump. Listeners, we'll see you in the next one when we're popping out of the ether.